Hi everyone, welcome back to But What Will People Say? It's Disha here, as always, I hope you're all doing amazing. Just a friendly reminder, as always, this episode is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and YouTube. If you like the show or if you know someone who could benefit from hearing it, please, please share. We really appreciate it. We're growing slowly and we want to build this community up. Um, you can find me on social media at Dishes by Dishes on Instagram. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. And I think we've finally kind of troubleshot our Skype interview issues. So this is another Skype interview. As always, there might be a little bit of a lag, but we did, I think, correct it. We got the audio sorted this time, too, with the mics. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Our guest today, her name is Deepa. She is the founder of the Sawir Facebook group, which stands for South Asian Women in Interracial Relationships. Definitely check them out if you think you would benefit from being in the group. They're a really great community. Um, But we talk about, you know, being raised in America and how she kind of met her husband, Austin. And we talk about like the living together and the long distance and embracing different cultures. And it was a really fun conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, yeah, without further ado, here we go. So hi, Deepa. Um, she's our guest today. And we're going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her story. And then we'll go from there. So hi, everyone. Um, I'm Deepa. I am one of the co-founders of Sawir, South Asian Women in Interracial Relationships. Um, and I met my husband about nine years ago is when we started dating and we got married three years ago in May and yeah, I'm 29. I live in Indiana and I am a South Asian woman in an interracial relationship. Perfect. Right in our demographic. Yes. Awesome. And like, thank you for coming on. Cause like your group was like literally like such an inspiration for this account or not this account, but like this podcast, because I would just like sit there like reading all these girls stories and like be so like heartbroken half the time. Cause like, I feel like, cause I'm such a bad writer. Like I would always want to respond and I'm like, I have too many words and no capacity to write that out. So then I was like, podcasting sounds good. Cause I'm good at talking. And well, I feel you- like it's, it's hard to convey everything in like a, written out like comment to someone yeah yeah if you've ever read any of my comments on there I don't know how to edit myself so I write these really long like ranting comments and then I go back and edit it at least three or four times so I'm like this isn't conveying what I thought it would mean so yeah I like this format a lot I'm really glad that you were able to start it because I just I'm a huge fan of podcasts so this is like perfect yeah I'm a podcast person too so that's how this happened it seemed it's actually not as hard as people think you kind of just need a mic and like a computer for like a basic (laughs) basic setup yeah um and it's nice because like there's just so many but they're so niche like it's Mm -hmm. not like I feel like Instagram it's like you need to market to everybody whereas like podcasts it's like you can market to like 20,000 people and that's enough because like you have like a tight little corner of the internet that gets to be yours. That's awesome. Yeah. Um okay, so I'm going to give you a chance to just just tell us your story. 
go for it. Sure. All right. So from the beginning, um, Austin is my husband. We met, uh, like I said, nine years ago. I actually became friends with one of his uh, best friends and I started hanging out with him. And then one night, um, me and a friend of mine decided to throw his friend a birthday party, a surprise little like party. And we're like, hey, just invite your friends over to my house. And um, he happened to bring Austin. And that was the first time I met him. Uh, um, and we started kind of, we didn't really talk much. We kind of hung out in groups for a couple weeks. And then we, he just started texting me one night and we started talking. And then he asked me to be his girlfriend. He was like, will you be my girlfriend? Like a text. It was really <laughs> great. <laughs> it was really cute. And I was like, okay. But the thing was that I was getting ready to leave for London to go study abroad. I had already been accepted to the program for the semester. So he asked me to be his girlfriend a week before I left for London. And so we knew it was going to be like this long distance thing for about three-ish months. Um, so then I left for London and then we just kind of communicated over the internet, um, through emails and uh, I came back that semester and I was in school at the time, an hour away from where he lived. So we were a long distance for about a couple of years. And then we ended up um, living together for a little while right after I got out of college for a few months. And then I changed jobs and he changed jobs and I went back to living with my parents. Um, and we were just together for a while until we got engaged in 2014. And then we got married in 2016. And my parents, bring my parents into this, um, my parents knew about him very early on. So this is a very... It's a weird story. So while I was in, before I left for London, I made sure that my family couldn't see any of our stuff on social media. They, I blocked them from basically seeing any interaction between the two of us. I had like a whole list of family members that I I have that. I still have that. (laughs) And I actually just recently stopped using it because I was like, why do I need this anymore? (laughs) But, um, so I thought I was good. And the only person who knew about Austin before I left was my younger brother, because he happened to be at our house when I was during like a little going away party for myself. And my parents were gone. They know about this now. (laughs) My parents were gone. Um, And my brother was there. And so I introduced him to Austin kind of very casually. Um, So then I left for England. And then when I was um, coming back from the U to the U S I didn't come back directly to the U S I went, I met my parents in India for a family wedding. And one of my friends was with me cause she wanted to come to India with me. So she met me in England and we both went to India to meet up with my parents. And the very first night we were there, my dad suddenly at like breakfast was like, so do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, what, what do you know? I was like, um, uh, yeah. And he was like, well, you need to break up with him. I was like, what? Like immediately. That was like the first thing he said. Was, he didn't even know anything about this person. He was just like, you need to break up with him. And then my friend Ashley starts talking about Austin and telling them all these things. And I'm literally trying to like kick her underneath the table and be like, stop talking. <laughs> like stop talking immediately. <laughs> and she was just trying to be, she was trying to be helpful. Like bless her heart. She was trying to be helpful. Um, but it did not, my dad was just immediately like, no, you have to break up with him. And I was like, whatever, dad, like, whatever, I'll do what I want. Um, so he didn't really like bring it up any more the rest of the trip. And when I got back, I was like, how did they ever even find out? Like, I was so 
so careful. And so I asked my brother, I was like, did you tell mom and dad about Austin? And he was like, no. Um, While I was in England, my family had traveled to California for a baby shower. And one of my cousins there was like, oh, does Deepa have a boyfriend? And Kush is like, uh, I, I don't know, maybe, I guess. And I was like, how did she even know? Because she was blocked. And I realized months later that while I was in England, I became friends, really close friends with this guy. And he was gay. He was my gay best friend in England. And so we had tons of pictures together. And we were always like hugging and like really close in the pictures because we were just as was our friendship. And I realized my family thought that I was dating my gay best friend. Like that's who they thought my boyfriend was. For the longest time. Um, and it was like, I didn't realize that until a long time later. I was like, that's who they thought Austin was. They thought it was Tyler, but it, uh, it was not. And so, yeah, my parents were very against it in the beginning. They kind of, there was a lot of like arguments of like, uh, you know, we should have raised you differently or we should have raised you in uh, India. Like you're, this isn't, what we wanted and um it was a lot of like there was a lot of tears there was a lot of like back and forth I think it kind of helped that I lived um it I lived an hour away at college so I wasn't living with my parents all the time and we didn't always see each other but I did notice they like would um kind of be like oh we're gonna come visit you and they had like not visited me in like the two years previously that I was at school (laughs) so they were like checking up on me a little bit more or they would like call me a little bit more to see where I was and I'm a bad liar so like most of the time they knew that I was like lying about something and then they'd like lecture me and stuff and it just kind of became like this whole I remember one time my dad called me and told me I needed to change my Facebook profile picture because it was of me in Austin and I don't know it just like it was this whole you know thing like what it was literally what will people say like that was always their argument and stuff because they were very involved in the indie community in my hometown it's a small indie community like maybe 150 families so like everyone is in the business um so yeah it was very much like a whole what will people say like what will people think and um before they had always, I'd always kind of brought up the idea of being in a relationship with someone who wasn't Indian. And they were like, okay, my, they were like, that's fine. Like, you know, as long as they're from a good family and they're a doctor, like a pharmacist, you know, the basic like Indian yeah, approved yeah. careers. And I don't think it really helps that my husband um, is not from that background like he um his mom passed away when he was young he was raised by a single father who wasn't exactly there for him um but he has a really great grandmother and a really amazing uncle who kind of are the backbone of his family and we're really close to them and he has his grandmother on his father's side is really great and so he had that family structure, but it wasn't traditional, like my yeah. parents imagined. Like, they couldn't meet his parents, you know what I mean? Um, and he didn't, um, he wasn't in college at the time that we met. So when we met, I was 20 and he was 19. Um, our birthdays are five days apart, so he's almost exactly a year younger than me. Um, so, and he didn't kind of, he had it like, untraditional upbringing. He was one of those kids that kind of had to, like, 
get a job when he was a teenager because that's how he could support himself and he didn't have the family structure to support him to like go into college and do college full-time because his parents could pay for all of his things like that wasn't his life um and then also he had he has a lot of tattoos (laughs) he has a lot of he has almost uh, two full sleeves of tattoos and they're all like comic book and movie related and stuff. But you know, with Indian parents, like immediately he was like this wrong side of the tracks, like drug dealer kid. Like that's what he was to them. Um, And I remember one time I came, we had to come to my house because I had lost one of my contacts. And so I needed to go home to get my glasses. And I was like, okay, my parents should not be home right now. So this should be safe. And they were pulling out of the driveway as we were pulling into the driveway. And they just gave us the dirtiest look in the world. And they didn't even like ask to meet him. They just looked at him from afar and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I just need to get my glasses. And they're like, and they like drove away and then my brother tells me when we walk into the house he's like mom and dad called and told me to keep an eye (laughs) great (laughs) it was like very yeah not great but the first time they met him was my college graduation so they're like and they brought it up I didn't even bring it up like at this point I think they kind of accepted the fact that we were together and we were like not going to stop being together. Um, so they were like, Hey, is Austin going to be there at your graduation? I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well then we can meet him and we can get dinner together afterwards. I was like, what? Like, what is Whoa. Um, it was a big deal. He was so nervous. He was so, so nervous. We went and bought him like a new shirt. He wore a black long sleeve button down shirt for graduation in Indiana in May when it was like nine degrees outside just so he could hide his tattoos and they wouldn't be offended by them he was probably dying like it was so hot outside um but we they met him at graduation they were great they kind of like like just we took some pictures together um we went to dinner afterwards I don't even remember what we talked about or like what I don't remember any of it I think that I just blanked that out but it went very well it was very civil um and then afterwards I kind of they knew that I was going to go live with him and some friends so which they didn't oppose which was very surprising they were very nonchalant about it they knew that I was going to I had gotten a job in a different town and that I was going to move in with him and uh three of our friends and yeah that was really weird how they accepted that and then but then after that I ended up moving back home because I decided that job wasn't for me um and once I moved back home I started bringing him around a little bit more like um Mm -hmm. he'd come over and say hi um and or he would come to like a family event my dad would be like oh is he gonna come to this thing that we're having at our house and I was like oh okay sure I'll tell him to come um and then my dad my dad is a pharmacist and he owned a local he started his own pharmacy in the time that we started dating and so I asked my dad, I was like, do you know of anyone that like has any job openings? Because Austin was looking for a job. And he was like, well, why doesn't he come see if he can work for me? And I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. 
I'm not sure this is what we want. But he went and he started working for my dad and he uh, did really well. My dad, like by the time my dad recently um, sold his pharmacy, but he was like my dad's like number one employee. If my dad wasn't around, Austin had to be there to take care of stuff. So it worked out really well. And then he actually started living with my parents because he was living, he's from a town that's about 30 minutes south of where we live. And so he was driving every day. And my parents were like, why are you driving? Like, just come stay here. (laughs) He started living with my parents. I wasn't even living with my parents at the time. At that point, I had moved out because I'd gotten a different job somewhere else. So I was living an hour away and he was living with my parents. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, but yeah, that really like kind of grew their relationship. And my mom taught him how to make chai better than I know how to make. Ch- I didn't even know how to make chai at the time. Um, and she taught him how to make his favorite sack and like just other different things. And she he helped her around the house. And my mom's one of those people that if someone helps her around the house and like she gives him five tasks and then he finishes them and she gives him five more. Like that's the kind of person she is. Like she appreciates those, uh, those people. So they have, my mom and him have a really funny relationship now. Like they, he messes with her a lot. Like he'll play pranks on her and stuff and she'll like kind of mess with him back. And it's a really fun relationship that they have. So it's, it's all good. It all worked out. They got, they, by the time we got engaged, my parents were like, oh, are you going to get married yet or not? Or what's happening? Um, and then they invited literally 600 people to our place. <laughs> it was so big. Um, it was ridiculous because Austin had maybe like 10, sorry, my nose is like running. Um, Austin had like maybe 15 people there <laughs> from like his, his like very small family and some friends and then my parents had literally all the rest of the people plus my friends it was ridiculous um but we had two we did like a whole four day like my big fat Indian wedding type of thing where we did like the Mandy and the Sangeet and the Indian wedding and the next day we had what I called our garden ceremony because it was in a garden traditional like white dress bridesmaids walking down the aisle even did father-daughter dance with my dad which he just kind of sprung on me (laughs) like during the reception um but it was wonderful and our family has been pretty great about it um it took them some time but we got there and it's it's pretty good now awesome Um, wow yeah he um I was originally going to hyphenate our last name because I was just never a fan of giving up your last name yeah I feel Um, like it's a step back for feminism yes I agree like I I, definitely agree I haven't changed my name at all I'm still Disha Mystery but like I socially will go by like Disha Mazeppa it's just easier but even on like these like my social media and everything it still says like Mm -hmm. Mystery Mazeppa because I'm like I'm still me with Mike (laughs) Yeah, that's how it is. And so I was going to hyphenate and then he was going to hyphenate with me to kind of incorporate the two things. But then a couple months before we got married, he's like, you know what, like, let's just be Patels. Like, he just liked that idea. And he didn't really feel super connected with his last name, um, because he's closer to his mom's side of the family. So he's like, I want to be a Patel. And he loves it because when he was working with my dad people would come in and be like oh Mr. Patel and he'd be like yes that's me <laughs> that's, and that's people me are well. very confused yes. yeah that's the yeah. that's the thing even with my name like when I put Mazeppa in places like 
people have no idea what to expect. Like, do you show up? Like, what is that? And they're just like this, like very short, blonde-haired kind of tan girl shows up, and the whole thing is like, <laughs> what is happening? You're messing with people's perceptions too much. Like, yeah. you know, like the image, the name, just everything is not connecting at all. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I love that they were like so. They kind of like once they got past the initial like, okay, she has a boyfriend. Clearly, in those two years, like you guys didn't like break up or like waver in that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, we're just we're just gonna work with that. Yeah. And they took their own approach to just like embracing it and like making it work. And I love that because I my family's yeah. been like that too. Like once they again got past that initial like, okay, this is a thing. Since we've you know gotten engaged and gotten married all that like they have been so into just like integrating Mike as much as possible and making him feel comfortable and you know not making him feel like an outsider when they talk about certain things or eat certain foods and just like trying their best to like make him feel at home and that's been yeah very surprising yeah it's crazy I feel like sometimes we kind of maybe underestimate our families a little bit and kind of be like, oh, they're going to be so against this. But there's honestly been so many times where I look around, I'm like, how did I get here? Like, I remember going to a cousin's house. This was before we were even engaged. And there was some type of family event happening. And we all went to my cousin's house and we were staying there. And we were trying to figure out who's going to sleep in what room. And the last person left was me. And I was like, where do I go, mom? And she's like, just go with Austin because he was already in the guest room. And I was like, what? 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 Like, this is the thing. Sure? She's like, she like rolled her eyes. She's like, it's fine. Just go. We're <laughs> over it. Stop acting like we're not over it. Yeah. And it was crazy to me because like my aunts and uncles were there. Like my, all my family was there. And so I was like, okay, I guess we've accepted this now. And I just like walked in there and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I guess I'm sleeping in here with you. <laughs> And he's like, okay. <laughs> I know. It's almost like they never want to talk about like the whole like sleeping together before sex and not like not before sex. <laughs> Great. Before marriage. Like, yeah, before you. <laughs> Even I don't know how to talk about it because my parents never talked to me about it. Right. And never once addressed like that whole thing. Like I never got the talk. Mm-hmm. Me they were just like, it's fine. We're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> They're like, they told you in school, right? You're good. <laughs> I know. And just like, I don't know, subconsciously put it in your head that you're supposed to wait till you're married. So the fear is still there. Yes. Which is like, you never talked about it, but I just knew. I was like, okay. Yeah. And just honestly, like just the fact like that I was able to one, acknowledge that I had a boyfriend, bring him to a family event and then just get to sleep in the same room as him. Like, that's it was like. I was like, oh, my God, I'm just breaking down all kinds of barriers. Yeah. You know, like, I remember thinking that. Yeah. I was like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, imagine, like, 10-year-old me never would have thought of, like, anything. Like, this yeah. would have been possible. Like, it's crazy. I, I think you're right. Like, we really do underestimate what our parents will accept. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like they almost initially, initially like, the knee-jerk reaction is negative because, like, that's what they're supposed to do because, like, then they can say mm-hmm. they at least tried. You know, if anybody asks, mm-hmm. they could be like, no, we told her to break up with him. Like, we told him, like, this isn't going to work. You have to end it. Yeah. And then, like, but she didn't. So now we have to work with it. And it's at least they could say they tried. Yeah. And I also think it helps, like, having, like, younger family members who kind of just, like, 
were very nonchalant about it. Yeah. Like my cousins um, were just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's your boyfriend. And they, I don't remember them ever like saying or doing anything negative. They're like, sure. Austin's here. Like, let's hang out. Like, yeah, that's just the way it was. Same. Like I have all, I'm the oldest of my cousins that live in the U S so like all the younger ones are basically teenagers and they're just like, yeah, this is Mike. He's cool. He's coming. And to a point where even before, like we were engaged or anything when he was just my boyfriend and my family was kind of like getting to know him. Like he threw my cousin's like 18th birthday party. And Cute. like we, you know, cause he has like his parents' house has like a pool and everything. And then her mm-hmm. birthday's in the summer. So he was like, yeah, just like have her bring all her friends over and we'll make food and we'll decorate and it'll be great. And so like, you know, he almost unintentionally was like, we are going to merge these families. Right. And so, and, starting with that and they had so much fun my other cousins have started having us like throw their parties <laughs> so like we've That's had awesome. like, everyone over at mike's parents' house just to use the pool right That's um, so fun yeah and like it's been pretty good everyone was like oh okay like that was really nice of him and whatever because you know at first they were a little bit apprehensive the adults but my cousins mm-hmm. were like no we're going to mike's house for a party and they're like all right <laughs> that's great that's so great like that's a like I am the youngest on my dad's side and one of the oldest on my mom's side so it's like a weird in between but um yeah my dad's side of the family they were they were the first to meet him and they were really cool about it um and actually one of my cousins she her and I grew up together she lived with me all um throughout our childhoods and stuff. So we were basically raised like sisters. And then she ended up moving in with my parents at around the same time that Austin was living with them. So the two of them would just go out and have dinner and have drinks. And they were kind of like each other's buddies in the house because they were both having to live with my parents at the time. And meanwhile, you're like nowhere to be <laughs> No, I'm not. So they formed like a really great bond and they have like a really great relationship. So I was like, I was really appreciative of that. And it just, I think it was really beneficial for the both of them. I think that's great, though, that, like, Austin took on, like, the initiative to, like, really, like, get to know your family and, like, be open to everything. Because I think that makes the biggest difference. Because yeah. I feel like the the negativity from our parents comes from, like, a fear that, like, how will he, that other person and their family ever accept us? Right. You know, and then they realize, like, even, like, little things, like, Mike, you know, he always comes to everything. And, like, when he's – we had Diwali dinner at my aunt's house. And, like, he wore, like, the Indian clothes and, like, mm-hmm. showed up. And they were just, like, so appreciative. Or, like, he'll always eat whatever we make. And, like, he doesn't, like, make a stink about it because that's their fear. That's what they right. think is going to happen. And then, like, when they've been exposed to how, like, open him and his family are, they've just they're, – they're so much better now. Right. And like accepting and understanding and like that fear has been slowly like taken away. That I 100% agree with that. And we see that I think a lot in Sawir in the conversations that people have where they're like, oh, like my boyfriend's meeting my parents for the first time. Like, how do I get them to connect? Or, you know, how do I kind of bring my boyfriend and my family together? And a lot of those suggestions are always just like, have them hang out, like be, um, show them that he really is trying, like um, make food with your family or go to events with your family or uh, show up in the clothes and the different things and just 
just show that like yeah. they're making an effort to try the different things of the culture yeah. and learn about the culture. And that's really where it comes from. And if they're dating you, they're already willing to learn exactly. about like, the culture. Your parents <laughs> just have to yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. And like, they're already committed to like being in your life. And so it's like your life, your culture is a part of your life. So you just kind of expose your parents to the fact that they're really trying to do this and, you know, um, yeah. and they don't have to do a lot. No. I found that it takes just like <laughs> being like respectful and mm-hmm. being open and like that's not asking for a lot because like you said like when they're dating you they already know what the territory is. Yeah. You know they know it's a different culture and like different ideas and traditions and like if they're open to that with just you of course being open continually with the rest of your family mm-hmm. is they're just keep doing what they're doing. Exactly. Like my dad taught my taught Austin how to say like Jay Swaminarayan or Jesse Krishna and stuff. And so the when people would come into the pharmacy and they were Indian, he started saying that to people. And my dad was like so proud. Yeah. Like, so proud. Mike Mike says Jesse Krishna to people and they're like, yes, he's one of us. <laughs> yeah. It's like he started incorporating like little words into his vocabulary that were Gujarati and he like my parents love it. Like he doesn't say water anymore. He says bunny only. <laughs> like only bunny. And he loves the word for squirrel, which like giscoli. So he like only refers to him as giscoli. And it's like my parents love that. <laughs> yeah. Except Mike has done the same thing. He's like randomly figured out a few words he really likes to say. Like and he'll just randomly be like, Oh Bhagwan. Yeah. Oh, Bhagwan. Yeah. <laughs> or like does that too. <laughs> Or, like, how I always play, like, Garba music. So he just starts going around yelling, like, do a to people. <laughs> and my family thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. Has he tried Garba? Yes. He, we, so we did at our wedding, instead of having a Garba night, we incorporated it into the last 30 minutes of our reception. So to wind mm-hmm. down the night, we had Garba music played and everybody did it. And he did it the whole time. His family was there, like, and everyone was like so amazed. I'm like, guys, give him some credit here. Like, yeah. not that hard. <laughs> so Austin did Garba for the first time in India. We were in India for my cousin's wedding. The cousin that he lived with at my parents' house, um, and he picked it up pretty fast. But he has to look at his feet while he does it. He can't do the hands and the feet at the same time. We'll get there. But he tries, and he picked it up pretty fast. And at our wedding, he did uh, Garba like the whole time too. But yeah, it's just like it's those little things that kind of like everyone's like, oh my god, he like does Garba. Or when we went to yeah. India, he could kind of greet my whole family and ask them how they were. He knew the basics of that, and they were just so impressed by that. Or like he was eating the food and stuff, as long as it wasn't too spicy. <laughs> Yeah, just like sweating. <laughs> yeah, but he like he loved India and like Indian food and like he wanted to go and like do all the things and try all the stuff and he made an effort to like communicate with my family as best he could, um, and that was that was really great. Yeah, that's really cool. That's one thing. Like Mike also like he really wants to go to India and like visit my family there and like also do like the touristy things, and I'm so apprehensive because I'm like. One, I myself cannot just take him because I don't mm-hmm. know my way to, like, navigate any of it. Like, yeah. I speak Gujarati and, like, I know how to get to my family and stuff. But, like, that's the extent of it. Like, <laughs> I don't know where anything is. Yeah. And I'm, like, I don't know how, like, people are going to react or, like, how do I explain, like, the whole situation to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, how did you go about that? Like, did you prep him at all? So, 
I don't even, I don't fully remember what I did to prep him. So we went to India. We were already planning on going to India, but he proposed to me a few months before we went. Um, So it was, I was taking him and I was taking one of my best friends who is also not Indian. Um, And I think my, my parents must have like prepped my family and like, all the immediate people that we were coming because that my dad wanted us to do like an engagement ceremony when we were in India. So that side of the family, like all the Indian family could be there. Um, and then I remember just kind of like, I don't even know. I remember prepping him about like the food is going to be spicy or, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of poverty and stuff and kind of preparing him for that. Uh, and I was like, there's going to be a lot of street dogs. Like you just have to accept that there's street dogs because he loves animals. And so he was like, but the puppies. Dude, um, that's Mike. Every yeah. time we go to a foreign country and he sees a stray dog, he's like, it's a dog. We should take it home. I'm like, no, he li- yeah. it's a street dog. Yeah. Like, honey, we can't take it home. <laughs> no. Um, so... I don't, I don't remember how much prep I actually gave him, but he handled it very well. And I think it helped that I had one of my friends with me or one of our friends, I guess she's both of our friends. Um, she was there with us and everyone assumed they were siblings, by the way, even though they're not because they're just both white people who came. That's like, um, that's like here, me, so. like you, you know, a brown person. Oh, I know a brown person too. You must know them. And it's like, yeah, no, no not at all. Um, and also my cousin that was getting married, she, um, her friends from here came as well. So there were several, there was like a whole group of like four or five white people that were in my family's village the first time he went to India. So he wasn't the only one. There was like a lot of other people for everyone to gawk at. Um, so yeah, I think I don't honestly even remember what I had said to kind of prepare him for all of it, but he full-heartedly like kind of went into it. And I remember us like getting off the getting like leaving the airport and like driving the streets for the first time. And he's like, Holy crap. Yep. <laughs> like, this is intense. This is like a video game. Yeah. And he literally, tried, it's like Mario there, Kart. Yeah. There were so many times that he like tried to record it. He's like, I need to show people back home how terrifying. <laughs> it is um but he fell in love with like Indian subway because we had one in our town (laughs) and like he would he refused to order any of the regular subway options he would only order the Indian subway options and then my family took him we went to like New Delhi to see the Taj Mahal and like go to Agra and all that and we stopped in the McDonald's for his and Courtney my friend's benefit and (laughs) He refused to order any of the regular McDonald's item stuff. He would only order the Indian stuff. And it was all spicy. And he couldn't eat it. He would only order it. I love the um, effort. It was, he it. tried so hard. Um, and, like, yeah, he loved India. Like, the first time we went, he was like, can we just, like, move here for a while? He's like, we no. just live off of our money. I'm like, absolutely not. We're not going to move here. Um, but... Yeah, he loved it. My friend Courtney loved it. People would stop him. Oh, this is the thing. If you're white and you go to like any popular tourist area in India, people will stop you and ask you to take like take pictures with you. Yes, I've seen that. I feel like they all assume you're a celebrity or something. Yes. Yes. 
<laughs> and at first, like both, it happened to both him and Courtney. And they were like, oh, you want me to take a picture of you? And they're like, no, we want you in our picture. So, so many times they were stopped and they were just like in people's pictures. And the second we found time, no white man. Like, it's crazy. And it happened to my cousin's friends too, especially because her husband, her um husband was very tall and he was like this really tall white guy and then she was like this really cute blonde girl and they were obsessed with her hair and they would not leave it alone so any white person going to India just be warned you're gonna (laughs) feel like a celebrity he loved it though my husband loved it (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Mike would love it too he's like this is amazing this is great (laughs) also people assumed he was Mexican the whole time we were there because he has really dark hair and he has like He's white, but it's like a slightly tan white. Mm-hmm. And even when we we're in Mexico, he got assumed for being Mexican. And he's like, no, I'm not. We did 23andMe, and we found out he's 100% white European. He was very <laughs> disappointed. Mike has also done it. He is 100% <laughs> white. Yes. Like every white European country. <laughs> like, like he's The Caucasus Mountains, Russia, yes. Ukraine, Italy, like as white as they come. And it's yeah. funny because he was like doing it. And he was, he's like... I can't wait to find out what I am. I'm like, sweetie, you're white. Like, I hate to break it to you, but you're, you're white. Like we were honestly surprised. Like I thought maybe he would have some sort of like native American or something in him. And it was like, no, you're English, Irish, French, German, Norwegian. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Every, every white country. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) I feel like I've, it's, as much as we talk about like them embracing Indian culture and like us wanting them to like understand who we are, there's also like the other side of like we have to be open to like American culture. And it's like these little things that are coming up. Like that's American culture. Like mm-hmm. being obsessed with dogs and like doing 23 and me or like how both of our husbands are obsessed with like comic books and Star Wars. Yeah. And I'm like, that's American culture. Like yeah. And, you know, we take it for granted because, like, you know, we were raised here and so we know about mm-hmm. it. And, like, you know, he didn't know about Shah Rukh Khan until I told him. But still, it's like mm-hmm. there is a little bit of, like, as he loves saying, like, white people have no culture. I'm like, you do. It's just different. Yeah. And you just take it for granted because you're in it. I think it's interesting. Like, white people culture, honestly, like, it's a little sad because – like when a lot of white families like immigrated to the U.S., they had to assimilate so quickly because they were all from so many other countries. And like, I think Mike touched on it on your on his podcast, like Italian Americans and like Irish Americans, and were kind of discriminated against yeah. when they first came here. And so they kind of had to like assimilate into everything else that was going around them. And in order to assimilate, you kind of lose a part of that culture um which I think Italian Americans have done a very good job of keeping their culture especially Mm -hmm. food wise and stuff um but like all the other like English and Irish and all of that kind of blends all together a little bit and so a lot of like white Americans don't know where they're from or what their origins are or until they do like 23andMe and then they kind of can figure it out but it's been lost through the generations kind of forcibly and I find that I think that's kind of why like when people come into our culture they're like so amazed by it because we are so directly connected to it yeah and like yes I was born and raised in the U.S. and I'm the first person in my family to be born and raised in the U.S. but I still have this connection direct connection to this culture that he never got to have a direct connection to yeah 
I think we're also like a newer group of immigrants. Like we're, I'm essentially first generation. Like even though mm-hmm. I wasn't born here, I was raised here. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have as much of a gap yet between yeah. like, the grandparents who came here and, you know, the future yeah. generations. That'll be um, interesting to see once that kind of starts to build, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Indian Americans are still fairly new. We haven't, yeah. quite, we're kind of just coming into ourselves as yeah. like, we're still adjusting culture, which is why this podcast is, it exists because yeah. we're still adjusting. <laughs> yes. Still figuring For it out. Sure. That's yeah. something um, I think I had mentioned is like the whole Indian American identity kind of thing, because when we first started so weird, I noticed a lot of girls posting about like, oh, my American boyfriend or my American husband. I'm like, wait a minute, let's stop for a minute. Like you were either born here or you were raised here and you are also American. Yeah. Like you are a part of the American identity and you get to claim that. So I made this whole post about how like, let's be careful about how we identify our significant other because yes, they are American, but that's, you are also American and you also get to claim it. So it's okay if you want to identify them as like white or Caucasian or of European descent or anything like that, because if we start only describing white people or non-brown people as American, then people, like, it kind of reflects back on you. Like, people are going to see you as, like, non-American as well. Or at least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that's a a pet peeve I really have is when, like, people, and this is more in, like, the, our parents' generation where, like, they would refer to Mm -hmm. the kids or, like, me or somebody they saw and they'd be like, she's so American. And they would say it like it was an insult. Like, and, you know, I understand that that's their generation clinging on to their culture and all of that. But it really bothers me when our generation does it to Mm -hmm. each other. Like, oh, she's so American. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get it a lot. Like when I moved from where I went to school in middle school and elementary school, then I moved to another town where there were a lot of Indian kids. And before that, I was one of like five Indian kids in the whole district. And so by the time I was 14 or 15, when we moved... I was called whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And so I very quickly got like rejected from like the Indian kid group because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're so white. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, and I get it. I didn't grow up around a lot of other Indian kids. So like in mm-hmm. order to fit in, like that's just the personality I had. But then with in my old school, it was like, oh, like you're so Indian. Like when it came to certain things, like the Indian food for lunch and like dressing a mm-hmm. certain way. And then when I moved, the Indian kids were like, oh, you're so white. And it was, like, awkward navigating, like, so right. where do I fit in? And then, like, as I got older, just embracing, like, I'm Indian and I'm American. And being an American is not a crime. It's not something mm-hmm. you insult somebody for. It's mm-hmm. You have to embrace, like, this is who we are and we can be both things and we don't have to pick a side. 100%. I've had so many, like, rants about that about how like I just growing up like I used to describe myself as like 40% Indian 60% American or something like that because I thought I had to like divide those two things in me and being like the first person in my family born and raised in the U.S. like it kind of happened to me through my family as well they're like oh you're getting so American or oh you're like I would bring something up and they'd be like we've never heard about that that's too American um And we had a very small Indian community in my town and all the other kids around me were also first generation Indian, but somehow I still didn't fit in 
exactly with it. And it like didn't quite make sense to me. And it took me a really long time to kind of be like, you know what, I can be Indian and I can be American. And those are two of the exact same things and they're not mutually exclusive. And the way that I choose to be Indian, like doesn't make me more or less, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't like I choose certain parts of my identity that I'm like, okay, I'm really into this certain thing in Indian culture, but I'm not so into this thing that I feel is kind of patriarchal in Indian culture. And it doesn't make me any less Indian. And I noticed like my, even like my cousins who spent most of their lives here and they sometimes are like, Oh, well, you know, that's an American thing. I'm like, but no, that's your thing. Like that can be your thing too. Like you have spent your whole life, like 90% of your life here. Like you get to do that. Or, um, I have younger cousins who were born here and, I remember like talking and they're describing someone and they, they're like, Oh, you know, that American person. I was like, no, not American person. You are also American. You've literally never lived anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, this is like, all you know. About, yeah. I was like, you're talking about that white person and it's okay to call up that white person because that's not an insult. That's just their racial identification. Like that's okay. Yeah, like, like we refer to each other as brown people. Right. And when Mike first heard that, he's like, what do you mean brown people? They're just people. And I'm like, Right. But we just as a community, like we're brown, you know, you're white, we're brown. It's fine. Nobody's insulted. No one's offended. Stop being triggered. Like, it's fine. And then he he has come to understand, like, that's just what you call yourselves. Right. And it's totally it's not a derogatory negative thing. It's just kind of what you identify as and kind of embracing what you identify as. And yeah, the whole putting especially girls down for being yeah. too American drives me crazy. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's such a pet peeve because it's like <laughs> this, this is what it is to be American. It's to be this like blended kind of mix up of like, you know, wherever you're mm-hmm. from, whether that be like Mexico or Italy or India or whatever, like that's, that's the American dream. That's the story is right. we can be whatever kind of mix up we want and we can be, it celebrate the parts of our culture we love and we're it's okay mm-hmm. and not a crime to let go of the things we don't agree with you yeah. know like Mike and I always talk about like when we eventually do have kids like the things that I would like to carry over but then there's things that I'm like we can let it go it's fine mm-hmm. you know I don't mm-hmm. I don't believe in it I don't agree with it I don't want to put that on my kids yeah and that's fine and it's not a crime it doesn't make you like you don't insult somebody for choosing to embrace certain things and not other things, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. You know what? I think it's become, I think it's a lot easier for this next generation of um, Indian American kids because I notice like my nieces, like they're in high school slash early college and they are also first generation American because their parents, but their parents came here like, um, their mom came here when she was a teenager herself and like their dad grew up in England. And so they have a different understanding of it. And they, um, Mm -hmm. live in, they live in like the suburbs of Chicago. So there's obviously a ton of other Indian families there. And they grew up in this like very Indian American culture specifically because there were so many other families there that were going through the same thing. And so I see them navigating it a lot easier than I do. Like I don't see them having to like, feel torn in one direction or the other because they graduated with literally 20 other Patels in their class. Like, (laughs) and they, that's just like, they were all doing the same thing at the same time. And there were so many of them and it just felt totally normal for them to balance those two things. And I'm like, Oh, that must've been nice. And 
I noticed the exact same thing with my younger cousins who are the same age group, like the Gen Z mm-hmm. generation of like Indian kids is they have such an easier time. And I think a big part of it is like when I grew up and like probably when the, we were grew up around the same time, there was no Indian representation Mm-mm. and it was kind of pre-internet, you know, like there wasn't as much like seeing other people that looked like us. Like there was no Mindy Kaling. There was no Hasan Minaj. Yeah. There was no seeing an Indian person being a news anchor or being an artist or being a musician. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, we are all Indian. We all become doctors and go to law school or whatever, whatever. Exactly. And so we, you know, I really grew up in a world where I thought like if you were Indian, like you couldn't be an artist, you couldn't mm-hmm. do something creative. And so there's this whole generation of Indian kids like us, like the millennials that have these like, mm-hmm you know, slash, like, oh, I'm a, like, for me, I'm an OT slash, I'm a baker, food blogger, now podcasting person, like, doing more, like, media, social related things. Because when I grew up, I didn't even think that was an option. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I went to school, and I I went into the medical field, because that's what I thought, that's what we did. Right. And they're growing up in a world where, like, all these, like, faces of, like, the South Asian spectrum are represented, and so they see the possibility of being beyond a doctor and a lawyer and like marrying another Indian person or someone of the same religion or background mm-hmm. as you. And they're dragging their parents through with it because they're like, no, look, she did it. It's fine. But we yeah. didn't have that. Yeah, I agree. We were kind of like this in between generation. And now we're kind of coming into this age of where like, oh my God, there were people like, we didn't know that Mindy and Hassan and Aziz and all of them were out there doing this stuff because they hadn't become famous yet. We didn't know that there was other people. We didn't have social media either. We were kind of like coming up with social media. So like now I'm like, oh, if we would have seen all of this growing up, then we would have also been like, I can do that too. But they were all kind of the same age as us. So we all like kind of didn't know that the other people existed out there. Like um, groups like Little Brown Diary or Subtle Curry Traits, like I entered those groups and I was like, shit yes literally I was like oh my god where did you all come from (laughs) right I was like where were you when I was a child (laughs) I joined that group it's been like maybe a year not even since I joined and like every day it just blows my mind exactly I'm like like, where where was this when like MySpace when your only friend was Tom right (laughs) right I was like we literally had all the same upbringing somehow none of us were connected but we all had the same upbringing we understand the same jokes like I was like these are my people like I found my people and I feel like in the last like year or so I've really started to like embrace my Indian American identity because of these groups that I found like I'm like oh my god like it wasn't just me going through these things like literally everybody else is going through it too exactly it's it's crazy it's so crazy but they're so the younger generation is so lucky They are. But at the same time, like my cousins always say, they're like, somebody had to do it and you just happen to be that person. Right. You know, because now my whole family is just like, all right, well, it was fine when Disha did it. So like, it's that much less for Mm -hmm. them. Like, Mm -hmm. I grew up and like, anytime I like dated a guy, even in like high school or whatever, like, there's like you said, like blocking all your family on social media, making sure no one found out or saw anything. And you know, I have cousins that like, they have boyfriends and like, they're just they just like tell their parents like, yeah, I'm going out with my boyfriend. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry, we're just <laughs> casually going to throw that out there. 
Okay. Right. I so my cousins, my younger cousins, um, I hope that I've done that for them. I don't know. They're all like some, there's a weird group of them. There's like a group of them that are in college slash just graduated college. And then there's a group of them that are like in middle school, high school. So it's like a divide. And then all my ones on my dad's side are married and older than me. So I'm kind of hoping that like, if one of them does, you know, show up with like a non-Indian partner that their family is like, okay, cool. Cause they saw me go through it. And yeah. I kind of opened that door for them and they're like, all right, it's not that bad. Or, um, or they can come to me if they need to. But a lot of my younger cousins have grown up in very like Indian American communities. So I could see them not doing that at all. Like yeah. just kind of marrying someone who's also Indian American. Cause they just had access to those people. You know what That's I mean? It's also a big part of it. Just like access. Mm-hmm. Like, if you grew up in like middle America, like you maybe didn't mm-hmm. have that act. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I grew up in New Jersey, but like my parents, like mm-hmm. we lived in Belleville and like it was, there was really no brown people. I think there were 10 in the whole school district. And of course we all knew each other and all of our parents knew each other. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we weren't like all in the same grade either. Like we we're spread out in the entire district. Right. <laughs> you know, and then by the time I moved, I was in high school. And like I said, like I didn't really fit in. So all my friends were like these like white blonde girls and the other Indian kids, they're like, because they went to school together their whole life, like they had their little cliques, like, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all friends with each other. They're still friends with each other. And like, great, awesome. But like, for me, I was like late to the game. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I would have done if my family had like moved to a more Indian population because I just, I just didn't know how to fit in, I think, with other Indian kids. Yeah. Um, cause all the ones I grew up with were either a couple years older than me or a couple years younger than me. And we were friends when we were younger and we hung out, but I think, and then all of us, I've noticed all the Indian kids I grew up with have very like white friend circles. Like yes. we were never best yeah. friends with each other. We were always best friends with other people. And then we hung out when we were together at Indian events and right. things like that. So it was, we kind of, and none of the, no, that's a lie. I actually know quite a few people that I grew up with who aren't in relationships with Indian people. It's actually kind of rare to find someone that I grew up with who's in a relationship with yeah. an Indian so person. Growing up, I, during, through our like cultural organization, I was a dancer and like those were my Indian friends growing up. Like, and we were very mm-hmm. close. I was best friends with them. I'm still friends with them now. Like we don't see each other as often now because we're like adults and shit. But, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, it was like, when we were together, we were all friends and we always hung out. But then outside of that, we all had like very diverse friend groups because we didn't go to mm-hmm. school together. You know, it's not like we lived in the same town. And now that we're older, like they've all kind of like started dating or are married to or engaged to not other Indian people. Because mm-hmm. that's just like what we, I guess, I like, grew up with. And like that's. Yeah. And it's it's cool seeing it now. But like mm-hmm. when we were younger, like those were the only other like Indian kids I met. And I saw them like what once or twice a week at dance practice. And mm-hmm. when our parents would like organize for us to get together, but otherwise like our friends in school were like not also other Indian kids. Yeah. It's I, like, like going back to, it's just exposure and environment. Like if you didn't have that many Indian kids growing up, plus if you knew each other since you were kids, you're like, you don't see them in the same way. You know, no. <laughs> it's weird. You're like, this is weird. This is too weird. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my goodness. All right. So I guess like moving 
forward i feel like i love like the random rants i end up on with these conversations okay. that's why i love the like podcast format just do whatever you mm-hmm. want um, it's so wonderful well one thing you talked about was the long distance thing and i know a lot of our listeners like at least have experienced it or are experiencing it mm-hmm. so like what was that like like how did you make that work i think so when i was in england and the thing for us is like, we knew it was only going to be three months. It wasn't going to be that much of a distance was only going to be three months. So, and I actually really, it was, we both, it, it was very early on though. I yes. feel like it wasn't yes. like, Oh, we've been together for a while and now we're going to do long distance for a little bit just because of school and stuff. It was like, you guys, I feel like just started dating. We're like, mm-hmm. we're going to do long distance. now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bye going to England. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, I think I think we both had this mentality of like um, some people get into a relationship and they're like, are we exclusive? Are we not exclusive? Like, what is this? And we both kind of had the mentality like, okay, we're dating. So we're dating. Like Mm -hmm. we're in it 100%. Um, And that was just a mutual thing. We never actually talked about. We just, that's just how we both felt. So we were committed to it from the very beginning, even though we were in different countries. Um, And looking back, we both actually have talked about how we appreciated that time because it let us get to know each other without having to deal with um, any of the other stuff in between. You know, like you get nervous when you're hanging Mm -hmm. out together or like things like that. Like we got to really just talk. That's all we had to do was talk. So we asked each other about like our lives and like our past and like things that we wanted in the future and like just talked about our day and we just got to know each other's personalities really well and so the by the time that I got back we were very comfortable with one another and we were very um kind of I feel like where someone else might be at like the three-month stage in their relationship we were more like six months to a Mm -hmm. year into our relationship even though we'd actually only been together for three months um so I think communication is honestly just the biggest thing when you're dealing with long distance is just you have to and you have to trust each other because if you don't trust that the other person is you know doing what they say they're doing then it's never gonna work yeah you're just jealous and you're paranoid all the time so we just we really trusted each other um we communicated a lot. We made time to communicate with each other. Cause like, yeah, I was in England. I was having fun. I was kind of going to class, <laughs> mostly just exploring the city. Just the typical friends. study abroad experience. Right. Um, going to a different country every weekend. Uh, Cause Ryanair flights are really cheap. So, <laughs> um, we really, I just like, I, we just kept, we knew what was going on in the other person's life at all times. And if you can't do that, if you feel like that's too much or it's too clingy, then like, I don't know if long distance relationships are right for you. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like having the trust is so important. Cause I was, you know, sometimes people will say like, Oh, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what he's doing. And I'm like, well, if that makes you insecure, either you're not ready for a long distance relationship or you don't trust that person. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Whether that be a personal issue or an issue that has come up because of the other person. Like, if you yeah. don't have the trust and, like you said, like, you went into it making it work. Mm-hmm. And it sounds cliche, but, like, that's what it is. Like, you either sign up for it to work or you're trying to find excuses to get out of it. 
Yeah, I agree. Like, you have to kind of go into it with a very, like, committed mentality. And I don't know if that came from me, like, just because every relationship I've seen has been very committed from the beginning with very little interaction. Like, my parents met two weeks before they got married. Um, So that's the mentality I had, I guess. Um, But I didn't know. He was my first – Austin was my first boyfriend. I'd never even been on a date before I met him. Um, and so I didn't know that I was going to end up with this person. I wasn't planning on ending up with this person. I just knew that if I was committing to this relationship, I was committing to it in the moment. Um, yeah. So that was my thing. And then when I got back, I lived an hour away and he actually didn't have a car at first. So he couldn't come visit me. So I would come on weekends and I would visit him and we would, he, and he'd eventually did get a car. So we would kind of take turns in this process And, but if I had like something going on or if my friend was having a birthday party or something, I'd be like, you know, I'm not coming this weekend or, you know, I'm busy this weekend. You can come if you want, but I don't know if I'm going to like, you know, have time or you're invited to this thing that I'm going to, so you can come with me. And so it's kind of one of those things where like, you have to either commit to seeing each other in the time that you have, or you have to be okay with not seeing each other all the time. Yeah. and having that relationship over the phone or over video chat or whatever it is. Um, so I, I hear you like, on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really just you have to figure out what works for you and what you're willing to do. And you do have to sacrifice a little bit because there were weekends where I was like, okay, I'm going to go visit Austin. I'm not going to hang out with my friends this weekend or do this other thing this weekend because I want to go visit Austin. Yeah. So it's a little bit of give and take. I think a little bit of his also like this FOMO culture where Mm -hmm. our generation is very afraid to commit to anything like even just making plans on a Friday night like if Mm -hmm. I I know people were like if I ask them like three weeks out like hey this date are you free to hang out and like it's always like like oh like I don't really know yet or like they'll say yes but then as you get closer to the date they like bail on you Mm -hmm. and like this fear of like missing out like if Mm -hmm. I commit to something or someone now like and the same thing goes with like how Mike and I met on tinder like what if I miss out on somebody better like look at all these options I have and we have too many options almost and it's like a it's good and bad but like Mm -hmm. you said like even with Mike and I like we you know at first was like very casual and we put no pressure on it but then like once we were committed like we're committed we're making this work and like you know, when things would happen or life would get busy or I was in grad school or I moved to New York, like it was never like, oh, are we going to get through this? It's we're going to make it work. Right. Yeah. It's never like a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is like, I was so surprised by people that I've come across that their relationship is such a question. Like they got into an argument one night and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, no, like, how is that? Like, how do you not know if you're actually together or not? Like, like do you, you want not... it? Do you want it to work out or not? Right. And so there was never, I think in our, like, there was never like a question of, are we together? Are we not together? Or are like, is this working type of thing? It was always like, we're going to make it work. Yeah. Um, and so I've, like, I've asked Austin, I was like, was there ever a moment where like you ever thought about breaking up with me? And he did say there was this one time and I under, I agreed with him. <laughs> And it was just like, it was just a time where I was personally like going through a lot of stuff and like, I was not handling it well. So I was personally in like a dark place. And he was like, yeah, you were kind of mean back then. (laughs) And that was, he was like, but I wanted to still be with you. So, you know, I wasn't going to, I loved you. I was just, you were 
a lot to handle like during that time yeah. and I was like I fully understand you but it's one of those things it's like you know if your person is going through a tough time or if you're going through a tough time like are you willing to stick that out and like or, that's where that's like those are the like make it or break it moments like mm-hmm. everything's great when things are easy but yes it's when things are maybe not perfect but you're figuring it out that makes like a big difference because with Mike and I like because it was such a casual start it's mostly out of fear on my end. Like I had so many like failed heartbreaks and relationships just because like I was in grad school and like when life got hard, those guys bailed. Mm -hmm. And when I met Mike, it was in the summer. So I was only in summer school and I was just about wrapping that up. So I was about to have like a month and a half or so with like nothing but work to commit to. And so I told him, I was like, this is only for the summer. I mean, we're done at the end of this because I go back to grad school and I don't have time for this. And like, it was just me protecting myself Mm -hmm. and mentally just writing it off to start with. And just over time, like Mike showed me that it didn't matter. Like grad school, like me being busy wasn't going to be a reason to make me feel bad or bail on me. And so, like, even at the end of summer, like, I, we, like, kind of broke up, but, like, we kept in touch. And then, like, Mike just, like, took it upon himself to, like, make the effort to show up. Like, he would come to Seton Hall. He would come to the library and watch me study mm-hmm. because that was how he was going to see me. And, you know, I look like a hobo most days in grad school. <laughs> it's like there's no makeup. My hair's not done. Like, I probably didn't shower. I don't know. And he didn't care. You know, he would yeah. just show up and he would come with, like my favorite snacks or like whatever Mm -hmm. little bit in like the four Mm -hmm. the whatever three or four months we had before I went back to school that like he had picked up like oh she loves sweet potato fries she you know this is how she studies or this is what she does and like whatever he picked up pulled that together and like showed me that like me being busy wasn't going to be an issue or me being in school or me having to keep him a secret wasn't going to be an issue Mm -hmm. and then that gave me enough like reassurance that like, okay, like let's like really do this, you know, like yeah. make this official. Like I was the one to ask him to be my boyfriend, but in Aww. his head, he was like, he was like, you're already my girlfriend. Why are you asking me that? I'm like, <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know if I'm talking to someone else. He's like, he's like, you're not, he's like, you're in school all day. And then when you're not, you're with me or like, I'm around, like I hang out with you all the time. What do you like, yeah. obviously like, he's like, you're my girlfriend. Shut up. That's hilarious. I love that. Can I just say, like, I love the fact that you guys met on Tinder and stuff, because honestly, I was never on a dating app because I was only 20 when I met Austin. And dating apps were, like, just starting to become, like, a thing back then, back in 2000, what, 10, 9? I don't know. Um, And I honestly am, like, so freaked out by, like, the things that are, like, I am so glad that I never had to do that because that sounds horrible the internet yeah. is a scary place yeah just dating apps are terrible but I love the fact you guys met on tinder and it like worked and that's just yes. adorable and it's funny because tinder has a whole success story section now that's like so if you so what I, when we like got engaged I reached out to tinder and I was like is there any way to like find our first conversations together and stuff and they're like oh we have a whole email for that you can email them they'll let you download your info and like you and they're like tell us your story and like I think they have like a whole blog on it or something oh my gosh well good for tinder I yeah it, it was so much for hookups but I guess they've got some really good stories out of it so yeah I think like because they 
they came out and like you said, it was like a hookup app. Like you just like is not meant to be anything serious. And then mm-hmm. after a few years, like those Tinder people started becoming couples and they started getting engaged and they started getting married. And so like now it's like a whole thing. That's like, awesome. <laughs> and same thing with the other dating apps. Like I've I've only ever been on Tinder because again, I got on pretty early when it was technically, I guess, still a hookup app. And but I like would always say I'm like, I'm really not here just to hook up with people. That's weird. Like not mm-hmm. really into that. But like every guy would be like, no, like let's just get like coffee or like let's just hang out. Like you seem really nice. And I was like, all right. And so mm. I don't know. Well, that gives hopes to my friends that are still on Tinder right now. I'm I'm thinking about you guys. Like, <laughs> you are a success story that I can share with them. That really, like, yeah. look, it happened. It's funny. All of Mike's friends have met on apps. Like we, mm-hmm. and they're all engaged now. Awesome. Yeah, they all met on like Bumble or Tinder. I I don't know what the other. I know there's Coffee Meets Bagel is one of them. There's mm-hmm. a bunch. There's like one for there's oh, one for everybody now. My cousin met her husband on Coffee Meets Bagel. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even one... know that was a thing. I thought it was fake when she told me about it, and I was like, that doesn't sound real. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is that? What is, what do you do with this? Yeah, it's a whole new world. I love it. Yes. But again, too many options makes it mm-hmm. kind of hard to weed through the weird shit. Yeah. Oh, have you seen all the girls post on Little Brown Diary of all the terrible things that they like come across on dating apps? I tend to not read them because I'm like, girl, I already know. <laughs> I was on those apps. It just makes me so glad I never had to go. It's dating so app. weird. Well, now with Gen Z, there's also this whole DM culture oh, where you yeah. meet via Instagram and like people mm-hmm. slide into your DMs and it's like, yeah. ah, like that's, that's kind of so weird. weird. That's weird. weird. But it's but not. Again, it was Tinder was weird. But then again, like I remember going on AIM chat to like chat groups on AIM and talking to random people that I met in like chat groups yep. on AIM when I was like 13. That's so, how I learned to type. Yep. AOL <laughs> that buddy. Was, that was our weird online hookup culture at 13, which we you just stopped talking to that person. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I'm bored now. Good night. Yes. Set that trendy away message of some. <laughs> song lyric shout out to all time low oh god oh my god I was listening to them the other day (laughs) I was like doing a throwback god I was so 14 year old Disha man oh my god high hopes on velvet ropes all day (laughs) oh my god yes so good oh yeah 17 year old Deepa thought she was like so emo like so into yeah. her emotions. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think I've grown to learn I have like three feelings. So. <laughs> I'm pretty bad at my emotions. Oh, same. That's something else that's come up on So Weird that I actually responded to recently is like showing affection in your relationship because that was really hard for me like in the beginning because Austin like grew up in this family where they were like hugging and kissing and saying I love you all the time and I did not grow up with that like right? most Indian families like we I don't I think my I can count on my one hand the amount of times I've heard my parents say I love you at all in general yeah. to anybody I'm like do you even like um, each other like, how does like, work? right and like do you never see anyone touching or holding hands I remember the first time I saw my cousin and her husband holding hands and I was like oh, oh my god <laughs> like it was so it's like they're together right and um 
so that was really weird for me. And I remember a post on there being like, how do you handle that? And I was like, it takes practice. Like it genuinely like does. And Austin, like to this day still has to remind me, he's like, you know, you haven't kissed me today yet. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Or like, he has to like hold, he has to grab my hand first sometimes. Or like, he just has to tell me that he needs like a hug or like affection (laughs) in his life. Which sounds so sad. Mike just takes it upon himself. Yeah. It took me a long time to get comfortable with it because like, like you said, Mike mm-hmm. also grew up in a household where like he saw people like hugging and kissing and holding hands. And then when he first started coming to like family events with me, he would like kiss me on the cheek or like hold my hand. And at first like, oh my God, you can't do that. Like, yeah. and then <laughs> it took a really long time for me to him because he would just be like, it's not that big of a deal. Like you're like now it's like, you're my wife, like whatever. But mm-hmm. it took it definitely took a little adjusting in front of like my family and mm-hmm. like the Indian community to just like show affection. Cause yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like I remember at first, like I was hesitant to hold his hand when my family was around and stuff, or just like sit next to him and like kind of be close to each other. And now it's totally fine because it's been a couple years or like now I almost find myself like almost leaning in for a kiss and then realizing my family's around and being like oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) like the Bollywood movie yeah like leaning away but sometimes like when no one's paying attention he'll like really sneakily like give me a kiss or something and it's really sweet but he understands it and he gets it but like now we will openly hold hands around my family, which is a big deal. And at my wedding, we did the whole, like, you may now kiss the bride thing. And I was, like, really nervous. So I was, cringe. Like, this is going to be so weird. But we just, like, did it. And I, like, I just didn't think about it. Like, I just had to, like, yeah. do it. And I was like, God, this is, like, the only time my family is probably going to see us, like, kiss in front of everyone. I was like, I'm going to weird out my entire family and do this. Yep. When we had our little, like, American wedding, like, that's what happened. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, we're going to kiss in front of everyone I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like I don't know if I'm ready for that and like but you know it was it was fine just just go with it yeah everyone's it, so. yeah everyone's fine with it now yeah they were fine with it then too in my head it was all in my head right yeah. actually my brother um said this really cute thing to me at our wedding reception um he was like I don't really get emotional or anything but I saw you guys up there um at our at our western ceremony and he's like you guys just like really looks like you were in love and stuff and I really want that too and I'm like that's just the nicest thing my brother ever said to me that's also a new thing where like now at weddings they're like those two people are really in love with each other I feel like when we were younger we went to weddings and stuff like everyone like the bride and groom looked super serious and like they barely looked like they liked each other Mm because it's like they didn't really know each other and it was all, it was like a weird depiction of what love and marriage mm-hmm. and stuff is because like our culture I feel like doesn't as much as we love Bollywood movies does not really Mm-mm. embrace the idea of loving someone else first. Yeah, it's like more of a mutual agreement to like tolerate mm-hmm. each other forever. Mm-hmm. And so like now with this new wave of weddings, it's so different to see even like an Indian or Hindu ceremony like where those two people are like clearly in love with each other. Yes. And it's new for our parents to see. 
I agree because I remember always going to weddings and the bride and the groom would never smile and they would never, never like look like they were having fun. So I specifically remember making it a point that I was like, I'm gonna smile through my whole fucking wedding. Like I'm gonna just I'm just gonna be smiling the whole time. I was like, I'm not gonna cry. Yeah. I'm just gonna be having a blast. And there are probably moments where I look like really annoyed in my pictures because I'm just like tired. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's exhausting. And your face hurts from yeah. like all the smiling. And so I'm just like, okay, like my cheek we muscles weren't answer? ready. Yeah. But I seriously made it a point to smile as much as possible, especially when I was leaving. Like, you know, where they do that thing where they, you are brought I'm to the die. car. And yes, that's a word yeah. for it. I don't know. <laughs> and I literally made it a point to laugh and smile and like make jokes with like my family the whole time. I literally like in the video, you can see me kind of joking about something and then pretending to run away to the car. <laughs> like, cause I was like, yeah, I make this sad. It's always so sad. And yeah. Like, I understand traditionally, like the li- girl was leaving the house for the first time and she's moving away from her family, possibly to like a different village or something. Yeah. And that's why it's sad. But I was like, that's not the case here. I'm not going anywhere. You guys are gaining a son and brother, cousin, whatever. And this is all great and happy. So I was just like, and then my aunt is like the one person that's like bawling. My mom, all my aunts were bawling. Like I cried because if I see my mom cry, I cry. It's just like a thing. Oh, if my parent, if my dad had cried, I would have cried. But he didn't cry. He was also laughing. But I also was was like, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Yeah, like, like literally tonight I'm going to see you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see you in about three hours, but I'm also going to stop by the house tomorrow. Like, yes. it's it's fine. Yes. And like we live like we have this perfect little setup where like our families and us, it's like a triangle. Like mm-hmm. I'm, Mike and I live like 10 minutes from both of them and they both live like probably like not even three miles from each other. Yeah. And so it's like, this perfect little triangle. I'm like, we see you, t- you all like all the time. Everyone calm down. Yeah, literally. Like, it's fine. We're not, like, not going to see each other. Yeah. And I feel like that's also, like, a different vibe where, like, Indian wedding ceremonies are now not just, like, you said, like, the bride is leaving her family and her home. It's like, no, we are now combining two families mm-hmm. in a very literal sense because, like, we do all these, like, holidays and stuff together now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Mike's family is always invited to my aunt's and uncle's houses and the same thing goes the other way. And, like, it's more fun. It's not this, like, weird, like, oh, she's not one of us anymore. It's like, yeah, it's fine. I agree. Like Austin's grandmother comes to all of the events that my family has and she'll come to Garba, Navratri and like Diwali. She came to India with us last year. It was her second time going out of the country. Um, and I, I, she's in her late seventies and I do not know how she handled it. <laughs> Cause we, it was like a long flight. We had like three connections and then like, just because my family lives in like kind of like we don't live in the city like my family lives in a village in Gujarat but we stay in like a slightly larger city that's next to it where I have other family houses there so like it's still pretty small it's not as modern as like New Delhi or Mumbai or other bigger places so but she handled it like a champ and I'm just like grandma like I don't know how you did it. Like she just, she didn't really eat a lot, but just the whole, yeah. she was like, I would 100% go back to India. Like, okay. <laughs> but she, like, I think the fact that her grandson married an Indian girl was pro- like meant to be because 
she loves jewelry and she loves anything shiny <laughs> and flashy and like glittery. And so Indian culture and Indian fashion was 100% like made for her. Yeah. It's her element. It's She's ready. totally her element. She wears her Indian jewelry on a daily basis. That's so funny you say that because Mike's mom got us. We actually went last night to see Dodge Express, which is like mm-hmm. essentially like Bollywood, but in like theater format. Mm-hmm. And they do all like the big songs that you've seen in the movies. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what this was. I didn't even know it was a thing. And months ago, she like texted us. She goes, make sure you're free this night. I got tickets to this show. I was like, all right, whatever. And we ended up looking up the show like the, a couple hours before we were going. And it was like, oh, this is very Indian. Like, yeah. this isn't, like, Aladdin <laughs> on Broadway. This is, like, oh, everyone there is going to be brown, yeah. you know? And, I mean, that was obviously wasn't the case. But, like, she literally was, like, so, like, do you think people will be wearing Indian clothes there? Because I have Indian clothes. And I'm, like, no, you can just wear whatever you want, Michelle. Like, this is New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> she was just, like, I have stuff. Like, I could totally wear it. I'm, like, no, it's fine. <laughs> she just wants to show off her clothes it's great yeah. like that's hilarious exactly like yeah. she's the one who like totally like found the show and bought the tickets and like mm-hmm. invited like you know mike's whole family to go and like we're there with his brother and mike and me and her and she brought her friends yeah and, like my parents didn't even know this existed and like you like of your own accord were like we're gonna go to this it's gonna be so fun and like she knew all the songs because they were at our wedding oh my god (laughs) how cute I absolutely love that she did that I just recently heard about that show I think it's like coming to Indiana soon so I was like it was great highly recommend super fun yeah I need to look into it it was very like almost like a parody of like Bollywood movies so it was just Mm -hmm. If you grew up with it, you it was very funny and entertaining. Yeah. And the dancers are so talented. So talented. Yeah, I exclusively listened to early 2000s, late 90s Bollywood. And that's exclusively what I made them play at our wedding. <laughs> Love it. Cubby Kushi Cubby come all day. Literally just showed that movie to my friends like three weeks ago. I was like, you guys have to watch this movie. <laughs> yep. It was great. It was a good time all around. Love it all right how was the how did you guys because you said you had an American like the white dress wedding mm-hmm. and then you had like the 600 people Indian wedding yeah did you do that like all together like in one shot because we split ours up we had like a few months between um so we did it all in one weekend which like looking back I should have just all done it all in one day which sounds crazy <laughs> but I think it would have been better um, so we did, so Thursday was our Mandy, Friday was our, um, what's it called? Haldi and Sangeet and Garba and all that. And then Saturday was our Indian wedding. Um, and it was just the wedding that day. And then we had a dinner afterwards. We didn't do any sort of reception or anything, just dinner. Um, which I kind of wish we did because everyone ate dinner and left. So there's people to this day who are like, oh, your wedding was so great. And I was like, I didn't even know you were there because <laughs> I didn't see everyone. Because 600 um, people is a lot to say hi to. Yes, it is. Um, and then Sunday was our garden ceremony. And that was just, that was like the ceremony for like 10, 15 minutes and then the full reception and everything afterwards. And I, the reason we separated the two was because my parents didn't want alcohol at my Indian wedding because they're fairly religious. Um, so we, they agreed to let us have wine and beer and cider at 
our reception. So we separated that completely. Um, and then we also had Qdoba cater our reception <laughs> because we had Indian food the other three days, yeah. like only Indian food from Mandir. So like, and my husband's not a big fan of Mandir food. He honestly didn't eat that much at our, at our wedding. Neither is Mike. But he, also he loves like anything with chicken and fish and stuff. Yes. So like Mandir yeah. food is all vegetarian. It's mostly like rice and sweets and stuff. Yeah, so. so it wasn't really a thing. Also, my parents changed the menu like three times and they took out everything that we suggested. So <laughs> that was like a whole different thing. So I'm pretty sure like he, we went home after our Indian wedding and either if he had Taco Bell, I'm pretty sure or something. <laughs> and then after our American wedding, I'm pretty sure we stopped at McDonald's and went home and passed out. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's. by the end of that, it's yeah. like running a marathon. You're just like, I'm done. Right? Like, um, a lot. But yeah, yeah, we separated. It was four days. We separated all. Everyone was fully exhausted by the end of it. Um, but we had a good time. And when everyone left, I was like, man, I kind of miss like having my family around and like having all my friends around and just like, can that we just was hang the best out? Part. Not married? Yeah, that was the best part is like having for like four days, like your closest family members and all of your best friends and like everyone is there hanging out together all the time. Like we should do this more. So yeah. like we're hosting Thanksgiving <laughs> and I invited like my whole like immediate family and like our aunts and uncles that are closest and like Mike's side. And then we just also like invited my friends. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, you know everybody now. Yeah. Like, you know all my aunts and uncles and they all know who you are. And like we had so much fun. So let's do it again. Did your family celebrate Thanksgiving growing up? Kind of. So like my I wasn't raised vegetarian. Mm-hmm. We ate like chicken and fish and stuff. We didn't eat beef or pork. But on mm-hmm. Thursdays, we do like guruar. So like mm-hmm. we're face basket all day and whatever. So my family, what's really convenient is they do Thanksgiving on Friday. Mm-hmm. So there's no conflict with our families because Thursday we do Mike's family and then Friday or Saturday we do like our family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't do like the full blown, like the sit down dinner with the whole like nine yards, like but our mm-hmm. whole families, because it's like, what else are we going to do on that day? Would still right. get together and spend time together. Yeah. But See, it's it's new to have a very traditional Thanksgiving, like with Mike's family. That is really different for me because my parents never celebrated Thanksgiving. So they honestly thought Thanksgiving was just about turkey. They had no idea what Thanksgiving was about because no one had ever explained it to them. Like they just didn't catch on to it, which I don't know how my mom did it because my mom has been in the U.S. and she was like 14 or 15. Like she went to high school here. She should have known what Thanksgiving was. <laughs> Um, but we just never really celebrated it. So that was just like a normal day in my house that we just didn't have to go to school. We just kind of hung out. And then it wasn't until me and my brother and my cousins got older that we're like, why don't we celebrate Thanksgiving? Like, it's just about family and you don't have to eat turkey. You can literally eat anything and you just have a big dinner with your family. So in the last few years, we have like kind of made our family get together. And like a couple years ago, we had butter bao and bani puri for Thanksgiving. Love it. Yeah, we're bringing, like, goat biryani and stuff into the mix. Yeah. It's more fun. You could do whatever you want. That's the best part. Yeah. I always say that, like, about being, like, married to someone who isn't Indian. Like, there's no rules. We just do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. It's great. You just make it up. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So I have like the traditional like Thanksgiving with um, Austin's grandmother and like we go to a family friend's house with his grandmother and then like with my family, I'm like, let's just all get together and make some food and eat it. Like, yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be turkey. It could be anything. Epitome of being Indian American. Yep. It's great. Are you, are you vegetarian or like 
any dietary restrictions, I guess? Um, so I grew up vegetarian. I'm not anymore, but I only eat like um, chicken and seafood. So poultry and seafood, but I still don't eat any red meat. I just tell people I don't eat anything with four legs. Um, <laughs> and then okay. someone's like, I'm going to find a three-legged cow. And I was like, they're not <laughs> supposed to have three legs. So that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's still a cow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just I just choose not to eat it because I don't feel like it and I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Um, Because that always becomes a thing, especially if you're a raised vegetarian, like navigating like that just dinner every day, like it becomes Mm -hmm. something you have to do every day. And that's always interesting to see how people like get around it. Yeah. Austin's pretty cool with it. Like he doesn't every once in a while he'll like crave like a burger or like he'll ask me to make like chili or something for him. And I'm cool with that. I don't mind cooking it for him and making that. Um, and then most of the days we eat the same thing, but there are certain times where I'll just make like a big batch of something for him and he can eat that for a couple of days and I can eat whatever I want for a couple of days. Um, so it works out. It's just, you, if you're very strict about what is touch, like what meat is touching your pots and pans or your plates. Like my parents are very, very strict about that. And they didn't, when he was living together, they didn't want him to bring any meat into the house and stuff. And so he had to leave it in like an outside fridge in the garage <laughs> if he brought like leftovers from somewhere home. Um, so it just, yeah, if it's like that, then it may not work out, but you just have to, I'm not that strict. So yeah, I think there's definitely flexibility that in any relationship that you need, but like in certain areas, like with our situations, like I think there's even more like adjusting. And like I said, I feel like that just becomes a part of embracing like American culture as well as expecting mm-hmm. the other person to embrace your culture. Yeah. And just like, you know, I, yeah. cause there is so much pressure. I felt like that, like, Oh, Mike has to fit in and understand like our religion and our culture and, like in some families, there might be pressure to like convert and stuff. Like luckily there mm-hmm. is none on my part, but um, I always like try to keep in mind, like I also have to understand like his culture and where he's mm-hmm. coming from and the way he wants to celebrate things like Thanksgiving and Christmas and like all of those mm-hmm. traditions that he has. Um, Because sometimes I feel like we almost get so wrapped up in remembering that like, oh, like they have to understand where we're coming from because it's so foreign. But there are parts that I think are still foreign, like, like how to dress for like an American wedding. Like that took me a little while to figure out because I didn't grow up going to them or like Mm -hmm. how to dress like going to like maybe church or Mm -hmm. Easter. And like Easter was like a whole other thing for me. I was like, what? What happened? What is Easter? Yeah. yeah, What is Easter? What do you do? Like, how does this work? What do I wear? Do we go somewhere? What time do I have to be ready? Do I have to be there on time? Like, yeah, yeah, I I think like, um, I never, Austin's not particularly like religious or anything like that. So he did, he doesn't go to church and his grandmother doesn't go to church. So we never had to do any of that. But I think it was like navigating holidays and things like that like she has Christmas at her house every year and she we go to Thanksgiving at a family friend's house every year and just navigating the um relationships there and how everything works like they pray before um Thanksgiving so I had to like you know hold a hand with everyone in my head and like you know just be respectful of that custom and like how to handle myself um 
So that was different. But I think it's nice kind of having two different religions because then you never have to decide where you're going to be on a certain holiday because like your holiday is so you always know where you're gonna go like okay it's Christmas like okay we're going to the side of the family because like or it's a Diwali like all right we're gonna go we have to go hang out with my parents like um it's kind of nice not to have to like share the holidays Mm -hmm. with anybody yeah the only holiday like we sort of have to navigate for us is Christmas because my family like does do Christmas and like Mm -hmm. we have everyone get together but luckily because all my cousins are so young they don't wake up till like noon Whereas, like, Mike's family's <laughs> older and they're, like, ready to go at, like, 8 a.m. So, like, mm-hmm. Mike and I just, like, dip into his family from 8 a.m. to, like, whatever. And then around noon, we're, like, with my family. And, again, we've sort of combined it so much to a point where there's, like, not a ton of separation because Mike's family is so small. Yeah. And I have the definitely bigger family. Mm-hmm. And, like, they've just integrated just everything but that's the only one where like sometimes we have to like figure out like planning if we're seeing his like extended family who lives farther away like how are we getting to see everybody but it's pretty easy because like you said like there's not a whole ton of overlap yeah we just do our own thing um do you have what's like the one thing that you've learned through like the whole experience like if there's one Mm -hmm. major thing you learned what would it be I Oh my God, that's a big question. I know. I think kind of um, the first thing that comes to mind is compromise. Um, It's a lot of give and take, I think, especially even like with my parents. Um, It's like my parents want us to do certain things. Like they want us to come to like Monday or like come to certain events or, you know, do things in a certain way. And it's like, okay if I said absolutely no all the time, it would cause big issues. So it's a compromise. So it's like, okay, I will go to my parents event or I will go to this like lecture at Monday or something, even though I don't necessarily really want to go, I'll do it because it shows my parents that we are both making an effort and I'll bring Austin with me and Austin will go too. Um, And so it's like compromise. It's like you have to balance all these things that your parents expected and kind of, want for you based and also all the things that you want and um and compromise within relationships too like we were talking about with just the different cultural expectations and stuff like Austin might be totally down for you know getting dressed up and like going to Garba or something but he might not want to do this other thing and that's totally fine like you're allowed to have that compromise or even the other way around if there's something which we don't really, he doesn't have a lot of like um, family or like religious stuff that we have to go to on his end. But it's just, it's learning to understand one another and learning to give and take. And I think particularly with parents and families, like they just want to know that you are not losing that part of your culture and that part Mm -hmm. of your upbringing and that you're still ingrained in it. So you just kind of have to like show them like, you know, um, You just kind of have to be like, okay, well, I will do this thing for you because I just want you to see that I'm still here and making an effort. Yeah. If it it means a lot to my parents, then I will go and do it even if I don't really want to. (laughs) Exactly. Same. Like sometimes I just, I entertain my parents like need to like have me do certain things. So I do it like Mm -hmm. after the, after the wedding, I guess like the day after the girl has to Mm -hmm. go do like the hand, the gunku, mm-hmm. the red hands and like put yes. it on the wall of the house because it means she has left the house or whatever. Yes. And I was like, mom, this is ridiculous. Like what? 
<laughs> I'm not. I live down the street. Like you can get there in about ten minutes. You know, like what? And you know, I entertained yeah. it. I did it. The mark is still there on her brick wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, okay, all right. Like I'll do it for you, but I mm-hmm. don't understand. Yeah. Just like I... little, little things like that. Yeah. And I'm sure like that's especially going to be important like when we have kids and stuff too because I know my parents are going to like want to do specific things with them or like for them and the specific like ceremonies and stuff and I'm just like I genuinely like don't really care that much like I don't think it's that important yeah. Austin's not going to care that much either but I'm going to be like fine I will let them do these things yes. like as, yeah. as and I think concerned. it's it's okay to like almost like just like amuse our parents even though we don't mm-hmm. agree with it and I don't think it's a crime to not agree with it and it, it yeah. goes back to the whole idea of like not insulting someone for being too American or letting parts of their culture go that just don't make sense anymore mm-hmm. like it's fine it's not a big deal and other, yeah. I feel like other people can be really judgy about that because um, I know like I don't know which group it was in I feel like there's so many Facebook groups now but like <laughs> Someone said something about like religion and like marrying outside of your own religion or culture mm-hmm. and like why you would or wouldn't do it. And someone commented, it was like, well, I actually care about my religion, so I would never date someone. Who-. And I'm like, all right, well, that wow. is nothing. To- it was like there was so much like shade in that comment. And like, wow. obviously, I don't know the tone she used, but she used mm-hmm. the word actually. So in my head, I'm like, oh, you just think you're better than everyone because mm-hmm. like you actually care about your religion. Apparently that has something to do with choosing to stay within your culture or not. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I care about my culture and my religion too, but that doesn't stop me from like marrying Mike either. It just right. means I work that much harder to preserve what I want. Mm-hmm. And actually I think it's like taught me like how to be more involved with my culture and like my religion and stuff, because now I have to teach it to somebody else, like the parts that I want passed on and I want him to understand. And so I have to fully understand, like, I can't just assume that they know, because if you've grown up in it, you grow up with a certain amount of religion and culture, no matter what. So you just get it and you do it. But he's like, okay, no, why are we doing this? Or like, what's the purpose of this or the story behind it? To understand why I think it's important. Right. Not just because my parents told me it's important and I was raised with like, I have to sit there and like sometimes go on Google and like look Mm -hmm. everything up and realize this is why this is important or maybe Mm -hmm. read it and realize, oh, maybe this isn't that important. Exactly. Like I've done that. I've done that a lot just because I'm like, what does this actually mean? Or why are we actually doing this? I'm like, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I didn't remember what I learned in Soka class as a child. (laughs) Exactly. Like sometimes I didn't pay attention or just didn't go. Like I didn't go for very long. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of things I don't know, and it's almost forcing me to, like, learn it now as an adult mm-hmm. and try to find those resources where you can learn it, because that's hard to find, um, because I feel like going to temple, like, you don't learn by diffusion, like, it's not how it works. someone has to explain all of this to me, so yeah. I'm still working on that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like... I honestly feel like I wish the older generation had explained things to us more, like, yeah. I... Like, I just, even during my wedding, I was like, why are we doing this? My parents could not tell me. Um, Our priest did a pretty good job. He did, like, a rehearsal with us, which almost never happens in Indian weddings. He had us come over to his house, and we did, like, a rehearsal, and he kind of explained things to us. So that was really nice because, honestly, we both left there, and Austin was like, Indian weddings are a lot more romantic than I thought they would be. And I was like, I know, right? Right. 
he was kind of you explaining don't expect it. like, that at all right and it's actually very beautiful and like very romantic and loving but no one ever explains that to you so like you just yeah. go with it but I think it's it that's the beauty of like kind of it forces people to look at why they're doing what they're doing or even with language like I understand Gujarati I'm terrible at speaking it like I could also never go to India by myself because I would just be an absolute mess and I wouldn't be able to navigate anything but like I have to now teach it to Austin because my family will just start talking to him in Gujarati and be like you know what we're talking about right you totally Um, heard it right it makes sense to you and sometimes he does pick it up especially if it's like my mom saying something he can get the context of stuff but like I now have to teach it to him and I'm like why did no one teach me this like I don't know like sometimes I just know words I just know what they are and I don't know how to explain like yeah, I definitely understand it. a lot. I understand everything, but sometimes I struggle to come up with the language to mm-hmm. say sometimes, especially because I don't use it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's also really funny because like our our ears are so tuned to hearing like Gujarati letters and the language and stuff. And it's kind of hilarious the way Mike hears it sometimes because like yeah the other day my cousins and I were explaining like Mataji means goddess mm-hmm. right and the first thing without a thought in his mind comes out of Mike's mouth he goes oh like Babaji and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> to him it pretty much yeah I can, I can and see we that we're dying like <laughs> he just very nonchalant like, oh like Babaji and just like carries on yeah <laughs> there's so many moments yeah. like that where it's like yeah you don't have the same letters as us in English so you just mm-hmm. hear things differently yeah. and like sometimes you can't discriminate it all the time it's just it was really funny we have so many moments like that yeah there's times where Austin will come home and be like um so mom said this today what is it and I was like I have no idea what you're saying because the way he heard it and the way he's pronouncing it is way off yeah. and then I have to like kind of play like this guessing game and figure out the context of it and then eventually I'll come up with it but I'm just I didn't speak enough Gujarati growing up and now he's like you need to learn this because I want to learn it <laughs> I was like I'm sorry I, I speak I talk you need English. to be more brown right <laughs> that's basically what it was <laughs> like to my own husband telling me I need to be more brown because like I literally talk to my entire family in English and I only will speak Gujarati if I absolutely had to just because I just I messed it up so much when I was a kid that I got very self-conscious about it and I just stopped and I'm like oh well that was bad because I should have kept going with it and you know now it would be very helpful because I have younger cousins who can speak fluently in Gujarati and I'm like holy crap like how do you know how to do that yeah I'm fluent in it it's just like as I get older it's harder and harder to stay fluent in it Mm -hmm. because I Luckily, like, I still speak it to my, like, my grandma and stuff like that. But I know exactly what you mean. You get very self-conscious, and I notice it happening to me. But I, like, force myself to get past it because I'm, like, I don't want other people's judgment to stop me from, like, trying to maintain this. Right. That's where I'm at now. Like, now I'm, like, okay, I'm just going to stay. Especially if I'm in India or I'm surrounded by um, people who I know like I need to speak Gujarati to like my aunt recently came from India and I had to drive her somewhere for an hour. So it's just the two of us in the car and I had to speak Gujarati. So I made a really good effort at trying to do it. And she knew what I was talking about and she helped me along the way. And so I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like I can keep doing this. Like I can mm-hmm. continue to learn and just try and not care anymore about what anyone else is thinking. Yeah. 
that's a big part of it. You just got to do it. It's like any language, I think. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's been like two hours. (laughs) I feel like we we should probably wrap it up. I just keep like running us off on tangents. I know. But that's good, though, because I feel like so many people listen and they're just like, I get a lot of like, so when's the next one out? I'm like, Mondays, guys, Mondays. And like, there's just so much to say on it. Like, like I said, like this podcast was started because even though like, yeah, we're all dating outside of our culture, but every story is so unique and so different that like, Mm -hmm. it's not really the same story twice. It's never just like, oh, I was scared to tell my parents and then it was horrible and then they kicked me out. Like, that's not usually what happens. Yeah. And, And taking the time to explain that that's not what usually happens. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, it's not thanks. so bad. Thanks so much for being on. Any final thoughts? Any words of wisdom? Um, come join us at Sawir South Asian Women in Interracial Relationships. We're on Facebook. We have almost a thousand members. I think last time I checked, it was like nine hundred something. Nice. Um, and that's within like six or seven months. So we're a huge community. We're here for you. Anything that you're dealing with, someone in our community has probably also dealt with it. So we're, you're not alone and you will make it through whatever it is that you are going through. And we, you've got a whole community of sisters behind you. So come join us. Yeah, definitely do. I'm in it too. So you come say hi. They're great. Like so great. I remember when I found that group, I was like, oh my God, my humans. (laughs) I spent like an hour just like scrolling to the end of time on that page the first time I found it. I was like, I didn't think like other people were like doing the same thing as me. Like, yes, I saw like a handful of other people, but I always felt like I was the only one who like my parents were having a really hard. I was scared to tell my parents and like Mm -hmm. we're going to have a hard time with it. And then like that group has been like amazing. They're great. Definitely check them out. They're up on Facebook. Yeah, huge shout out to Rabia for that, because she's the one who, after I made a post on Little Brown Diary, um, I just like, it was our anniversary in May, and I was like, hey, here's my husband, and he's real cute, and he does all these things, and is anyone else in an interracial relationship, and she just, and I got literally thousands of likes and comments on that, and she was the one person that was like, let's start a group, and I was like, oh, I don't know how to run a Facebook group, (laughs) and then she just started it, and she's like, do you want to help me with this, and I was like, sure, and Like she kind of how it works. You just got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I had no idea, like no idea what I was doing, like no idea that that many people would join it or it would spark a podcast. Literally a dream come true to be on a podcast. By the way, I thought like three people were going to listen to this. I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't know anything about how this works. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And we're going to figure it out along the way and like figure out how to Skype people. And if they can't be here in person and We've just been doing it and like I launched that and like like out of the woodwork just people crawling out and like messaging me and like oh my god the first 48 hours were insane. I like could not I could not get off my phone because I just had to keep up with like the messages and the shares and just like people messaging me saying they could relate and like how much they loved hearing it. It's crazy. Yeah it's like you it's almost like we had all of us had no idea that there was like all these other people out there and we found a way to connect and it's incredible. And I'm sorry, my phone just went off. Oh, and I fine. forgot that it was by my lap, sitting right next to my laptop. Oh, it's all good. Um, 
yeah, it's, I'm just so happy that we all have found each other and we're just like making all these connections and it's just like a whole new beautiful world that we're going to go into. Yeah. Can you imagine all the really cute little like brown mixed babies there's going to be in the next like five to 10 years? I'm dying. I can't wait. I can't wait for all the like confused little babies I'm going to have. They're going to be like, well, I don't know what's going on. Like we just do whatever we want. I'm like, yep, that's it. Wonderful. Yeah. Excited. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah. And hopefully share this wherever you like, do your thing. Of Um, course I will. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of But What Will People Say? If you enjoyed it, make sure you like, comment, share, leave us a review, send this to someone you think would love to hear it. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and YouTube. You can message me on Instagram at DishesByDishes. And shoot us an email if you want to be on the show or have any questions at bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.